everybody, this is Adkins. And this is Adam. Welcoming you to another episode of AMP, episode 123, covering episodes 129 and 130 of the anime My Hero Academia. Yeah, what two awesome episodes we've got to talk about today. A little change of pace, too, because, you know, the first quarter of the season was, like, super high intense, high action, like, everything happening left and right. It was just, you know, crazy. And now we're kind of dealing with this fallout where we see these heroes that are in the hospital and we're just kind of figuring out, like, where do we go from here? How do they recover from this massive event that's taking place in this world? Yeah, there's a lot of kind of world building, like selling of the uh, like the catastrophic uh, fallout of everything that's gone on in all of this, basically in the span of two days. Um, yeah. so it's happened very quickly. Uh, and that's communicated really well. I think in these two episodes, we zoom in on a couple of characters, um, for a lot of background information. I still hold that the Todoroki family drama and dynamic is the best content in my hero academia. It, it oh, is absolutely. so, so good and intriguing and compelling uh, and we get a hefty dose of it in 1.30. And not only do we get a hefty dose of it, but it's all stuff we've been asking for. Like, you and I have been asking for these episodes for, I mean, what, at least a year now, if not longer? And it's, like, so nice to finally get to the meat of this stuff and figure out, like, what has happened to this family. And it's it paid off. The wait paid off, for sure. Yeah, and there's still a couple of unanswered questions. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, how how it is that Dobby survived or that Toya survived, what he did in between the the fire on the mountain and surfacing as Dobby. So there's still more uh, to be developed. And man, it is it has been done so stinking well. At, at first, I was almost tempted to uh, be frustrated with the timing of this episode of 1.30. Like it just, we could have gotten the content earlier. We could have, but the timing is so it's so well chosen to, to reveal this and really dive into it with uh, like on this side of, uh, you know, Endeavor's big fight with Shigaraki and man, it just, it bangs on every cylinder. It, yeah, it, it does. such good content. Well, the timing is perfect, really, if you think about it, because we are witnessing Endeavor at his lowest in these episodes. You know, he's been defeated. He's he's sitting here all banged up in a hospital bed, just seeing how defeated he is and how wrong he's been for so many years. And like all of these bad decisions and bad choices are finally catching up to him. And then, boom, we get all of these bad choices he's made. So like it's like we're living his life with him the same way he would be sitting in that hospital bed, just going over everything that he's ever done and how it's coming back to bite him now. So like getting to experience that with him really, really amped the ante as far as I'm concerned. And it was really cool too. Like I noticed when I was taking notes about Endeavor in, in this episode, I was calling him NG. Like it's not Endeavor, it's NG. You know yeah. what I mean? It's uh, it's this whole other character that we've not really gotten to see because all we've really been exposed to is Endeavor the hero. And this is really Inji the person and and how he became Endeavor the hero and it's it's really cool uh, but what do you say we, we hop into episode 129 the hellish Todoroki family part two yeah like the misnomer of that title was really I thought that we were going to get the the 130s content in yeah, 129 based on the title and we, yeah. we don't really bump into the uh, Todoroki's until like the last three minutes yeah, it was weird. I agree with you. I I definitely thought that based off that title, we were going to get kind of more background information here, but that is held off until one thirty, which is titled like the long, 
the wrong way to put out a fire. So you see uh, the Hella Shodoroki family part two, and you think you're going to get a lot of follow up. But really, we kind of just uh, start off with Hawks in this. Um, you know, we, we kind of get a little bit of a recap because it's Bakugo being held back by Mineta and Sato. He's telling, you know, everybody that he wants to, to get to Deku, basically. And Saro is kind of re-explaining everybody's status. You know, everybody's pretty much OK, except Midoriya is unconscious. And we, we have our quick intro scene, and then we actually pick up with young Hawks, who is watching a very similar video that we have seen Midoriya watch over and over of All Might just saving people. And it's kind of that same scene, this little kid that's, you know, he I think he's holding an Endeavor doll here, and he's watching All Might just save these people. And a villain actually appears down the street, and the, the video kind of switches to Endeavor, and it's Endeavor just destroying this, like, massive elephant villain, and all these yeah. people are cheering him on. Endeavor and- takes out Babar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and we hear Hawks talking about how to him the heroes were always on the other side of the TV. He thought of them as this like fictitious beings from his dreams. But then when we see, you know, this this Endeavor event happen, that's just like in his neighborhood. It's like Endeavor is becoming more real to him over time in this episode. And we kind of see his dad like beating up on him and and he's mad at, at at young Hawks for going into town because he's worried that Hawks has sold him out. And it's kind of explained that basically his dad murdered somebody at some point in time and they are they are just kind of like hiding and they have been hiding for a long time and his dad's nervous about being found out. His mom is effectively like worthless. Like she's just glued to the TV. She's upset that it's not working, but they live in an absolute wreck of a house. Like it looks like hoarder status. There's trash everywhere. And it's very clear that this is a very broken situation for, for this poor you know kid. Yeah. I liked, uh, I liked this Hawks background story stuff quite a bit. Uh, and again, it was handled just as well as the Todoroki stuff. It was just a lot more condensed. Uh, it's cool to note that the the dad's quirk, he just appears to have feathers on his arms. I don't know how functional they are or aren't. We don't see him use them in any way. Um, but the mom has some sort of floating autonomous eyeball quirk. Yeah, and it seems to like let her see events around them. Because later on, when the father has been caught by the cops, it's like she's using these eyes to see events that she's not near. And then so you have Kago or Pox, who gets a cool like blend of both of those in his uh, fierce, is it fierce wings, right? Yeah. Uh, Where he's got the autonomous feathers that he can do all the cool stuff with. So it's really cool. And they seem to sense things kind of like his mom's like eyes would have. Right. Uh, but he's kind of reflecting on the situation as a child and he's looking around and, and kind of making this decision that like mom and dad are so broken that I'm going to bear this weight and just hope that I never turn out like them. I will never be like my, my parents. And it's revealed that his father is caught. His mother like has no idea what to do. You know, Endeavor basically caught his father. And the moment that that's been announced, it's like that, that child is standing there holding this Endeavor doll and the Endeavor doll just lights up. And and Hawks explains that it's like a hero really existed for once. And his mom freaks out and says that they have to run and you know they're going to be caught. She's not really super sure what to do. So they left the house, but she didn't have a way to make a living. She had no way to provide for for this child and you know he he was trying to figure out like what should we do in this situation. And there's this scene where they're like in a tram station or a subway and she says something like like, why do you even have those wings? You know, like, what? just go make me some money. Go make us some money. And I was going to ask you, you know, the way he seems to interpret that is almost like, like, your wings are no good if you're not using them for something. Like, go be a villain and make us some money is kind of the way he seems to interpret that. 
I I interpreted almost uh, similarly to the way that like Ray struggles with seeing uh, Endeavor in in the children, even to the point of like throwing the water on Todoroki. Yeah. Um. Where because she says you're your father's son, why were you even born? Why do you have those wings? Kind of like a, I see this this, you know, this element of you are uh, of who you are is a lot like this this guy the the father, and I don't like it. Is kind of um, how uh, I interpreted that. Like like he's just another representation of this man that she didn't like anymore. Yeah. Right, right. See, and I, that's where I couldn't really tell because he he seems to be really conflicted with the way she says that. I mean, obviously that's a hard thing to hear for a child, but I wasn't sure if he was interpreting that as like, oh, well, I guess I should just go steal. Like I've got this awesome quirk that would let me do these things. Should I be to support my mom and. I mean, obviously he doesn't, uh, but they they end up meeting with like this hero agency group and they explain that they're going to provide all this support to the family and that part of that support, they're going to erase any connection to his father and Kago will basically say goodbye to his name, his mother, anything that connected him and he's going to go through this special hero program. And he just asked, you know, can I become a hero who beats up bad guys like him? Like how he saved me? Can I make the world brighter for everyone else? Speaking about Endeavor. And so it's it's really interesting, the parallel in these two episodes, because we get this little kid who's looking up to Endeavor from the outside, looking in, basically, seeing this hero and how he wants to be just like him. And then the second episode is all about how Endeavor is the exact opposite of a hero and how none of his kids really wanted to be anything like him. It's a really cool parallel in these two episodes. Yeah, and... Hawks feels like Endeavor saved him, even though at that time they had never even shared space, you know, right. like he was yeah. saved uh, tangi- tangentially by Endeavor. But the moment that Endeavor was said to have uh, taken his father into custody or whatever, Hawks was rescued. He was freed um, from underneath that guy who had gone out of his way earlier in the episode to basically be like, I wish you weren't born <laughs> like he comes just short of saying that, but he does say, uh, you know, if only Tommy, which I guess is the mom, hadn't had this kid. Like uh, he the dad was uh, muttering that, I think, as he was like digging through a fridge or something. But uh, yeah, Hawks Hawks was rescued in a very uh, in a very real sense by having his dad caught. And so it's neat that like it's it's incidental that he ends up with the Endeavor doll, as we'll find out, uh, only because the All Might one was too expensive. Uh, and yet Endeavor is the hero that that makes heroes a reality for Hawks, which is cool. And then we kind of like get snapped back to the present. It's, uh, you know, Hawks, he's really bandaged up. He's riding in like best genus mobile because it looks just like the Batmobile, yes, the Batmobile. basically. <laughs> yeah, he's, I have in my notes, he's driving the effing Batmobile. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Hawks is like got this respirator on. He's got like a kind of a new sound to his voice from the way that he's all kind of like, I guess, being taken care of, right? He's using a text to speech device. So is that like, what that's it is? Why, yeah, that's why he's constantly tapping on the phone. Oh, they, they even okay. like show it rather exaggerated um at different times when he's yeah really excited or worked up but i didn't yeah, realize that's what that was i yeah, thought it was just it the is. mask like over his face like like bane almost uh that's kind of what i was thinking Mm-mm. i think it's text-to-speech that's interesting okay yeah i didn't pick up on that uh well best genius explains to him that like without the medical equipment at the central hospital that hawks is at it's very likely that hawks would be i think he says wandering the halls of death and then he also goes on to say that, like, if it hadn't been for them, he wouldn't have undergone that surgery to appear to be dead, which apparently was an idea inspired by the Nomus. 
So it seems like, and I think he even uses one of his best genist isms where he's like, my body's like a ragged, distressed ditto. Yeah, God, he pours <laughs> that, those, that, like that terminology on thick in this episode and the next, and I yeah. hate all of it. Yeah, it's, it's a little it's much. So, there are times where it's just so forced, and it, it doesn't even make sense to the characters themselves. Like it's he says something like, huh? It's, it's just inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's out of place. And then even the other characters are like, what are you even talking about? So yeah. it was it was forced not only from uh, from a writing perspective, but it's almost like they're aware of it. They're self-aware that this tick of his, this verbal tick of his is just intrusive. Like it's always intrusive. It is. And it almost feels like like they're trying to use it as maybe like a uh, uh, a source of of comedic relief but it just falls flat entirely yeah. every time that, that he tries to do something like this yeah uh, best genius we... and i could not be friends for explicitly this reason <laughs> he's just like the absolute like drag down of the party yeah <laughs> that's so funny uh well we, we kind of get like a little bit of explanation i think here about what happened to best genus because it sounds like effectively hawks kind of convinced him to go through a surgery to effectively look dead or basically have his body cut up to prove to dobby that he would have killed best genus yeah and, then, and this like, was something that we've been trying to figure out how how they executed on that and we get the full explanation here yeah yeah because he he basically says that you know that whole decision to have that operation was because of him because he had convinced the safety commission there was no way he could get away with like a cheap trick like dobby knew what he was looking for knew what he was doing so they had best genus go through this surgery to make him look appear to be dead and then i guess he convinced dobby that he needed to hold on to best genus body for later they put him in some kind of vat similar to shigaraki and basically healed him up and then and then hawks could bring him back to life when he needed him like what a risky move man yeah and i wondered too just in my notes you remember when the assault on tartarus was made that i pointed out that one of the nomus could kind of had a uh, a best genus vibe oh yeah uh, yeah like i do remember aesthetic. you said that yeah i wonder if that like they did do something with some some element of best genus you know uh working on some of the nomu during that time i don't know if the time itself actually permits of it um but i did have that thought when i was like oh well they had possession of his body this whole time and then there was that one nomu that definitely looked like best genus huh yeah that's a good point i guess we don't really know how much of a body they need to make a nomu either like is it possible that some of best genus was regenerated and then like maybe parts of his original body made a nomu we, we also don't know how long it takes to make those nomus either they could be yeah have working on those for years we have no idea right that's why i think that uh i, I don't know that the time um that Lights they had wide, possession yeah. of his body permits of it but yeah he he spots a quote-unquote frayed spot uh, yeah stupid <laughs> verbal tick crap uh and it's this guy named glutton god who is threatening to take over like a shopping district and uh best genus because he's still a little a little tired um from the exertion that he had to put out uh trying to keep gigantomachia and company uh restrained uh he fires out these fibers out of the batmobile and just wraps everybody up and he says please excuse the flamboyant capture due to my condition and I was like, number one, you are not above flamboyancy when it comes to like hero work. And number two, did he just have this car made specific like after the surgery? 
Like, is this car brand new or is it something oh, that no he's way. always had? He's always had this. Like, this is totally up his alley. He's 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 got that flamboyancy, like you said. He has to have a big, cool, souped-up car that's got all the gadgets. That that just <laughs> seems like him. <laughs> it would be really funny too if his whole car was made out of like uh like some sort of like cords carbon that he fiber can control. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we could change man, the shape of it. What if it's actually like an like a mech suit? Like it's transformer too. He could just like have that thing transform around him. That would be cool. That would be that dope. would be a much cooler idea than what they delivered on. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, he he ends up asking everybody around, like, "Hey, where are the police? What's happening here?" And someone just kind of is like, "Yeah, they're not coming, man. They're too busy with all these villains that escaped, and all of the heroes closed their offices and they just left." And and we see some shop owners in the background that actually are like brandishing this arm weapon, like some some support gear. Mm-hmm. And Hawks recognizes all these people in the crowd just distrusting the heroes. He sees it on their face. It kind of highlights a few people and he's just talking about how like civilians in general have this massive distrust with heroes right now and and he says you know that that's something he is gonna have to figure out how to fix like hawks knows that there's something he needs to get out into the public in front of the public eye and and kind of like settle down all of the rumors about his origin story and endeavor and everything else and Best Genus just asks if he says she skipped town, and I I don't know what exactly he's referencing here. I think he's talking about like uh, Hawks's mother because they end up at this building where yeah. Hawks has gone in and he's found finds this note, and and Hawks doesn't really know if she skipped town or if if she was attacked by villains because her note basically says that scary men showed up and so she had to spill the beans on all of his past because otherwise they were going to hurt her and potentially him. And he just kind of like hopes she's well and is is happy to be done with it, it seems like. And he honestly admits that he couldn't believe that they found her, that they got that far because, you know, everything was supposed to have been broken up between them. But he knew that Dobby knowing his name meant that there had to have been a leak and that leak could only have been his mother. Best Genius makes another stupid idiom thing here trying to i bet i guess console hawks he says something like that's as tough as getting into a pair of skinny jeans and i would have just slugged him at that point but <laughs> it is much it's a bit uh, much but hawks says his relationship with his dad and his mom had been erased uh but and he says that was fine with me i abandoned her instead of saving her even though i wanted to help people which has some strong nana shimura vibes to it as well yeah i definitely got the flavor of multiple other people's uh, like backgrounds and origins um, kind of peppered around inside of Hawks's. There's like this consistent theme in the show where people make a very hard, difficult decision thinking it's for the best and it just ends up coming back to bite them. Well, and he says that his own actions came back to bite him. And but he actually feels a little bit relieved because the the safety commission's out of order. His mom has whisked off for her own safety and in part for his uh, but he's he's kind of experiencing this freedom that he hasn't had since this arrangement was made back when he was a kid. He says, yeah. there's no one to give me orders. There's nothing tying me down now. So he has been a, uh, you know, a caged bird since uh, arranging to have his ties with his mom and dad uh, severed and entered into the training and uh, went on to go and work undercover. Like he's now a uh, you know, a free ra- free range uh, hawks instead of a cage talks. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh man! Well, he he removes his mask and and he starts to kind of remember that Endeavor doll again and it lighting up and then this scene of him and his mother at the store and she's basically like, you know, you can't have the All Might. We can't afford that one. So here, just just here's an Endeavor doll. Like you need to grow up strong like him. 
And he's he's remembering that, and he tells Genus, you know, when people are cornered or when they become free, their true nature comes out. And he says that's why Baba Guara was a good guy. Setting aside whether right or wrong, he was desperately trying to help others. He And, and he says, you know, I just want to do the same. He just wants yeah. to do what's right. I like that Hawks understands that right and wrong can be taught. But having that nature to help others is something that's more inherent and noble um, and may not be so easily taught. Yeah. Well, and I think he realizes that like right and wrong sometimes lives in a really weird gray area. Yeah. Like yeah. him killing Dubbar twice, was that right? You know, was that wrong? Is it both? Like it just depends on how you look at it, you know? Yeah. And I, I what he said uh, that when people become cornered or become free, that's when their true nature comes out. It remind, reminded me of an episode of Firefly, actually one of the, I would say maybe the best episode of the show Firefly. Are you familiar with that show oh, yeah. at all? Yeah, I love Firefly. So in the episode War Stories, Wash and Mal end up getting caught. Um, and a philosopher is quoted to them, this guy named Sean Yu, and the quote goes, live with a man for 40 years, share his house, his meals, speak on every subject, and then tie him up and hold him over the volcano's edge. And on that day, you'll finally meet the man. Uh, that's almost exactly what Hawks is saying here. Yeah. Uh, which is, which is, I don't know why that, that popped into my brain, I guess, because they were so similar, but uh, he's, he's still just, he's got, he realizes they've got a lot of work ahead of them. He says, uh, I want to do what's right. Even if what Dobby said about the Todoroki family is true, I'm sure that things are different now, which I appreciate because that, uh, so, so many people, uh, Dobby himself, um, included have not allowed or, or have, have presented or interacted with Endeavor in such a way as to disallow him to have a, any kind of redemption or growth. As if his past, uh, concretely defines him forever. Uh, and I think I use the phrase that he doesn't live in that house anymore. And some people are noticing that and some people really want to, um, to help others realize that as well. And so best genius asks Hawk here, what are you going to do? And Hawk says, are there a ton of loose ends I need to tie up starting with my origin because Endeavor's in trouble, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, noting that Endeavor is part of his origin. And now that that person that has shaped who he was and put his life on this very specific trajectory needs his help. And so he's going to go do that thing. Yeah. Yeah, man. I really like this scene with Hawks here. Like just seeing more about him in general was really nice. Yeah, I agree. And um, we he's kind of in and out of the, the next episode, too. But we get treated to uh, this scene and I think. Think it could be Hawks that's narrating here. I don't think it's Midoriya, uh, but he's explaining that like the urban areas were in an absolute state of panic. Like before they could even tally it up, there was such a huge spike in crime that it was just absolutely insane. And then on top of that, the existence of all these nomus just dealt this huge blow to people. Like people are just uneasy. They don't they don't understand what's going on. They don't understand what these things are or how it affects their their lives. And it's just this buildup of frustration in the population and in the civilians where the repeated failures of heroes to stop villains over the last year, year and a half, all of these huge villainous events, and then this massive kind of like everything kind of coming to a head, all these prison breaks, all these villains out, the heroes are retiring. It just couldn't be held back. And we we see some villains attacking a shop, and they're not even like major villains. These are just like run-of-the-mill like street thugs, right? They are, but we've seen them before. Did we you have. recognize them? Yeah, were they the ones that did the uh, like the jewelry uh, raid uh, when Todoroki and Bakugo first got their yeah. license? Yep, that's That's them. what I thought. 
Yeah, they're yeah. called Cider House. I don't yep. know if that refers to one of them or the whole group, but... Yeah, and I guess uh, they were in Xion, because uh, they, they, they're they kind of introduced as like Xion prison escapees, Cider. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, and then there's this shop owner that comes out with a bunch of employees, and they all have support items, and they attack the villains. And we actually see Wash, who we don't really know a whole lot about, but Wash shows up on the scene, and he's trying, he, she, they, they're trying to get there. And and it, it literally, they just see this huge explosion right down the road in the distance. And when they, they appear on scene, it's just nightmarish. Like, all these civilians are dead, the villains are dead, and it's because of these support items. They, they did not know how to use them, and they ended up causing so much much more damage. Those support items were the seeds that had already been sown that Redestro uh, made mention to the Heroes Commission earlier. Yeah. And then all the, the people, you know, that were not injured are attacking Wash. They're throwing pots and pans, and they're like, what took you so long to get here? Like, what have you been doing? And and Wash is trying to help. I mean, they, they end up disinfecting the injuries and trying to take care of all these victims, but we kind of get this slew of information about how all these heroes are starting to retire. And we, we see the number nine hero, uh, Yoria Musha, who is retiring, and he kind of looks like a big samurai, uh, but he's out in front of everybody and explaining that, you know, he's going to hang up the cowl and... And apparently it's like this with a bunch of heroes. It's just one after another. They do not have the capabilities to put up with what's happening in the world. They're they're older, or maybe they weren't as strong as they thought they were, or, I mean, a whole slew of different reasons. Yeah, and... One of we get a brief shot of a red beanie, like in a trash can, and that was you remember the guy that uh, was like, "I need to find a different yeah. line of work." Yep, um, it's all helpless, and just hopeless like two and episodes that. ago. Yeah, yeah, that was his, um, and they're they're all blamed for like avoiding responsibility, and uh, it says in a world where everyone took peace for granted, just how many people are asking themselves once again what it means to be a hero, and I think that that's a poignant reminder of um of this definition that really we've been trying to seek since the beginning of the the show um we see different people approach heroism uh with different definitions and we also get to see uh you know that that made a very huge plot point uh for stain uh who had his his own idea you know and and so now it's it's looming much larger on the conscious it's not just about having a quirk and being able to uh, monetize it, it that people are realizing this is what is actually required of a hero and are bowing out as a result yeah we this whole time we see like stain in this abandoned building he finds this blade and he's drawing it and and people the narrator that's talking is it hawks still or is it, at this point has it changed to somebody else i really I think it's tell. hawks you think it's hawks he's he's saying that people put all of this responsibility on the shoulders of endeavor because he's kind of been the number one hero he's been the person that everyone's looking up to for the answers and he didn't fulfill so like from the civilian perspective endeavor failed them and we transfer over to the the hospital where there's this I called him mushroom doctor in my uh in my notes yeah, uh, but he's he's telling everyone that they're going to be okay and he's explaining to endeavor that like you're going to be fine everyone else is going to be fine and he says i'm rooting for you man like yeah, i love that little line you. yeah it's so, it's so good and it's so well timed because you know that endeavor is sitting there he's he's able to look out his window and he sees all these people who definitely are not rooting for them no he's uh, getting like super introspective here because he's he's thinking yeah. to himself like okay i can breathe my head feels fuzzy, anesthetics are wearing off, but I'm alive. And he starts remembering what happened to him and remembering Toya. And I mean, this poor guy is just sitting here like, what the hell? <laughs> like, that's all he can probably think, you know? I wonder if there was a split moment here where he was basically like, I wish that I weren't. 
Oh, he um, absolutely. Like, I can only imagine he just does not want this to be his problem at this point. Yeah. And he kind of he, admits that because he's he's sitting there and he says, I know that Toya knew I would survive this fight. And right. he remembers Shoto telling him to cry later. And it's the same thing that happened with Natsuo. And he's like, my son was in danger in front of me. And I just froze. And he says, everything I've done in the past has come back to haunt me. And he says, even if I survive, the hero endeavor has died. I mean, that's got to be just weighing heavy on him. You know that he wishes he could have just died with Endeavor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we, we get to see Genus, um, and he's like apologizing, or I guess he's making his own like public appearance or reappearance. Uh, and he's not in a denim suit. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, he was actually not wearing denim, but he still had like, you know, fabric that covered right. all the way up to his eyeballs. Um. Yeah, he Endeavor is still reflecting on this, and he's realizing not only has Endeavor the hero died, but he's like, I can't fight my own son. Like, I can't do it because he keeps freezing uh, when his sons are in danger, so he can't be the one that's endangering the sons. Right. Uh, and so Shoto actually overhears part of this, at least, and he tries to duck out of the hospital and... We get a good, good old classic Endeavor Shoto. Oh man, this was Shoto. This was such a hard moment for me because, uh, like, my wife and I have this ongoing joke, you know, about Endeavor just screaming Shoto. And it's like she'll pull up videos of him just screaming Shoto for five minutes straight, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then like we're watching this, like we're both in tears. Things are super upset and sad. And then all of a sudden, it's just like that Shoto, and we couldn't help yeah. but look at each other and laugh, you know. But this is a great moment. I mean, he he apologizes to all of them. And it's he says it's too late. He's like, you know, this is way too late. All of my regret, which has now become my guilt, like, this is just too much for me. I'm so, so sorry. And he actually hears Ray ask about his heart. She's like, well, what about your heart? And he loses it. He's like, oh, my God, Ray, you're here. Like, everyone is here. How, like, how, why? Why are you here? And she explains that she came to talk about their family and about Toya. And and that's basically the end of the episode. Like, it just sort of ends and trails off right there. Like, the, the Todoroki family is all back together except for Toya again. Yeah, and they, she actually says something that really had me excited about 130, um, which was, she says, regret and guilt, we all feel it much more than you do. Yeah. Like that's a that's a bold statement given what we just witnessed it uh NG sussing out in his own uh in his own mind, you know, about the realities of the situation. So for her to walk in and say we feel it much more than you, I was like, "Dang, you better back that up with some evidence." Yeah. And she does. <laughs> she kind of does. Yeah, I will say like the next episode near the end, there's a lot of I don't know. I'm going to say like I don't want to call it like victim blaming because I hate the way that sounds, but like, you know, Natsuo and Fuyumi and Ray, they kind of take on some responsibility for Toya here. And it's like, I don't know. Like you guys weren't really like you, you guys were kids too, you know, like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, get, I get it. I that but... from like Fuyumi and Natsuo, but I, I do think that Ray, I, I think I thought that they did a good job of, of kind of explaining how it is that they could, uh, bear some of that responsibility sure. too. I can see it. I can see it from Ray's perspective to some extent, but at the end of the day, like she was just another victim of endeavor to some, to some degree. Like they try to do this thing in the next ex episode where they repeatedly are like, Oh, well Ray had a choice. And it's like, did she though? I mean, maybe, but not much of one. I didn't feel like, so like, yeah, maybe she does have some responsibility, but in my mind, like endeavor is the primary suspect in all of this situation. Well, yeah, I think Natsuo even says something to that effect. Like, you're you're the primary reason, but we but all we are help. also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, well, regardless, the, we, we, we open up 1.30. Uh, it is titled The Wrong Way to Put Out a Fire. And we basically open up with Endeavor literally meeting the Hamura family and is ex- basically explaining that, like, the whole reason he wants to meet them is because their family has this long lineage of a really impressive ice quirk. And even though back in the day they used to be really well-known and really well-off, they've kind of fallen from that grace a little bit. So Ray's father was very excited about his proposition to effectively marry into the family because it brings them the number two hero status and it will bring, like, the furthering of their family members into another really popular family because their ice quirk court could help him create the perfect child someone that could surpass all might and you know it's gosh i don't know there's there's scenes here of like them trying to show ng and ray like walking away from that meeting and like they're trying to interact and stuff but you can just feel how forced it is you know yeah i looked up uh ray's first and last name too uh because we know horikoshi oh yeah has that naming convention so ray means cold and himura means uh ice gathering or ice collection um and it's explained that it it was made to look like an arranged marriage but the point was to uh to marry the two quirks it's a quirk marriage uh and we talked about this becoming like totally a eugenics thing. Oh yeah. I think we way mentioned that like on. episode one, you know? Yeah. I did. I thought it was funny that he comes to this meeting with, uh, I call it a Guy Fieri ass tie. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just uh, like a black tie with flames on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely something middle school me would have worn. <laughs> right. Right. I like this bit too, though, because uh, when they're kind of walking, he, he explains that, you know, he read Ray and she was strong, but she seemed like she'd just melt away. And then we kind of get back into the present and he's asking Ray if she's all right. And she's just like, no, I'm not all right. That's why I'm here. You're not the only one suffering. You're not the one suffering the most because you're not the only one that didn't see that child. She's like admitting like she did her own part in ignoring Toya and letting him become what, what he is. Right. We we have a brief uh, stint with Dobby who's saying that he's, he says, I'm probably badly burned. I was like, what do you mean probably? Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but he does say that he can't feel a thing. And I wonder if that's like, because he like singed all of his nerve endings or whatever in this, this last fight, but. Or previously, uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But he says, that guy's my dad. He won't die from something like that. Even if he wanted to die, his position as the number one hero wouldn't allow it. So it's about time he appeared in public, and he he says, "I hope I can see that uh, that pathetic face soon. I can't wait. It's taken so long to get here." Uh, and he names everybody in the family, and he just says, "Look at me from the depths of hell." And he starts to uh, cry a little bit of blood, and uh, that that look at me is kind of echoed uh, in the language throughout the rest of this episode. It's already been. I mean, we just had let, uh, Ray speak it. You're not the only one who didn't see that child. Yeah. And now um, that language kind of, like I said, echoes throughout the rest of this episode as well. Oh, yeah. And we we uh, we take a blast into the past, probably what, about 10 years, maybe a little bit more, 12 years or so. And uh, we see like little Toya and he, he just wants to know why he can't do quirk training with Inji anymore. He's like, Dad, like, come on, I can do it. I can do it. Like, let's train some more. And Inji just shrugs him off. And he's just like, no, like, don't use your quirk. I've got to go. And he he's meeting up with the doctor with Ray and the doctor's explaining that Toya's fire quirk really really like 
picked up on Inji's side of the family. He has an incredibly strong fire quirk, but his body leans more towards Ray's family in the sense that it is very weak to fire. It takes way more damage than than Inji's does, and he doesn't have that same kind of like resistance that he needs in order to use his quirk. And he tells him like at all costs, you have to keep this child from using his quirk as much as possible because it would really seriously injure him. And Inji just loses his mind. He's super upset because all he can think about is how Toya was going to surpass All Might, and now he will not be able to. I also appreciate that the doctor was like, if you're looking for a designer baby, stop. Yeah. Like, he, it was like he was, he was savvy, and I think that he did, he said what he, what he was obligated uh, through a responsibility in the medical profession to be like, hey... If that's what this is about. Like, this is unethical. You, yeah. Yeah, you need to quit. So I appreciated him uh, saying that to to Endeavor. Yeah. I mean, to Endeavor and Ray, but really he's, he's speaking to Endeavor. Oh, here. yeah, absolutely. Well, we we go, uh, I guess, a couple years in the future, maybe maybe not even that much, maybe a couple of weeks, and Toya's sitting on the couch with his sister, Fuyumi, and he asks her, like, hey, why can't I train anymore? He's like, I know my body best. It's just a little burn here or there. I, I'm going to surpass All Might. I've, I've already decided that. And he's kind of walking off, and and we hear Ray explaining to Inji that, like, that's too much. It's just too cruel. The kid already knows what you expect out of him. And Endeavor is basically telling her, like, no, Toya cannot surpass All Might. We need to do something. We have to stop his quirk. That's They're not saying it. They didn't show it in that scene. But he's basically telling Ray, like, we have to stop Toya from doing any kind of quirk, anything. We're not going to let him use it, any of his quirk. And Ray's like, but, like, you've prepped him to be something he now can't be. That's so cruel. What are we going to do with this? And it's, you know, shown that Ray has another child and, and Toya's like off to the side when, when Shoto is born and they're holding him and loving on him and everything. And, and you can see poor Toya's just so broken up. It's like he already knows that they have moved on to the next kid. They're trying to get this perfect yeah. quirk combination and he's out of the picture. There's also this like crazy look that Endeavor gives to Ray. Right before like, that, yeah, yeah, where it's like he's looking at her like you know what Has what to this means, yep. yeah, like, and it feels super aggressive. Oh yeah, um, yeah. There's I a mean, lot he, of he's uh, ba- insinuating in this episode with looks. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, he's basically like, get ready to carry another child, and we're going to do the thing that we need to right now to to get that process rolling. Yeah. Um, so man, good Lord. And that happens, I think it happens twice where you, you get that sense that there's that shared, there's that communication just with their eyes where his are extremely aggressive, um, angry bloodshot and hers are just, um, she's got like the dark circles around her eyes and they seem empty, like hollow when she's, when she receives that. I mean, it is, woof, that was a. That was a, a tough thing to watch. Well, then we get another one like immediately after this because NG sees All Might surpassing him again on the TV and he's just pissed off about that. And he directs that hatred look at Ray. We see Shoto's like crying and in the scene, it seems like he's showing off signs of both of his quirks and Toya just loses it. He's so upset because he can see Shoto has the two quirks his dad wanted him to have. And he's up in the mountains. He's practicing his quirk. He's trying to convince himself that he can surpass All Might. And he starts to use like really, really strong flames. He's been practicing. He wants to be what his dad wants him to. And he gets home and his dad sees like burns on his stomach and stuff. And he gets super mad at Toya. And Inji's just like, why can't you understand? He says, go play with Fuyumi and Natsuo. Like, go make some friends. Do something else. There's a whole world outside of being a hero. 
And poor Toya just starts crying. And he's like, yeah, but all the kids at school say they're going to be a hero too. And I'll never understand what any other thing, any other world could be like because I'm your son. Like you lit that fire under me and he starts to heat up. Flames are like leaking from him and Ray is just like, hey, calm down, you know, cool off. And Toya just gets more and more upset and he turns around to attack Shoto and it kind of cuts like hard cut here and we go into another scene where Inji is telling Ray like, look, Shoto's not allowed to be around any other children, period. I've got to work so I can't deal with this. I'm going to hire help but your job is to stay here and watch Toya. Do not let him out of your sight. Right. And this is after uh, Toya basically goes to assault. Assault Shoto. Shoto. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, he charged it. He says, I can't, it won't go away. I can't pretend it never happened. And he's talking about the fire that uh, Endeavor lit underneath him with regards to All Might. So he says, look at me, Endeavor. Uh, so there's that language again. He charges at baby toads. And uh, th- this is, that's then when... Um, they hire like the nanny essentially. Well, and then after this scene where he's kind of, you know, giving it to Ray and telling her like, you've got to watch Toya. She says, look, he just wants you to see him. Only you can show him like what he wants, you know, and, and NG gets really pissed off and he's like, no, the only thing I can show him is how to be a hero. I'm no good to Toya otherwise. And Ray really like, turns that around on him and she's like hero you're just running away and we get another scene of him like giving her that hatred look you know and and we kind of transition over to shoto being trained by Inji, and it's that scene we've seen over and over again throughout this entire series where he grabs shoto by the hand and runs off with him and is telling him like you're not allowed to be around the other people while his brothers and sisters are out in the courtyard playing with the nanny but this time the whole scene is from toya's perspective And, you know, another thing that's interesting here, too, this is several years later, and Toya is significantly smaller than, like, Natsuo and Fuyumi, even though he's older by several years. And he kind of explains that he hadn't hit puberty. He was smaller than most other kids in his class. But you got to know that had something to do with the way he was feeling and and seeing the situation as well. Like, I'm I'm not who my dad wants me to be. Yeah, and he, in this particular scene, he overhears Endeavor say, they're from a different world than you yeah you have training and uh he hears that and that's got to be crippling oh yeah uh, you know to to poor toya well and i mean it just further evidence this next scene here you know toya's it's like in the middle of the night he's over there next to natsuo and he's he's like man you know i was so wrong back then like shoto didn't do anything it was all dad and he's like you know you and me we're failures that's why dad never wants to talk to us we we don't have good quirks we're like we're failing at life and natsuo is just like dude like why don't you go complain to sis like i don't want to hear it anymore and toya kind of gets upset by that too and he's like but you're the only person that gets it like you're the only other one that understands and he says you know the women in this family are all useless and i mean gosh like he's just got such a warped sense of his family and how he sees them and how they see him uh and the next day ray goes to confront toya about going to the mountain to train and she's like hey you know why don't you just go play with your classmates and she's she's talking to him and we get this kind of from from toya's perspective and he's just toning her out all he hears is the opposite of what he wants to hear and he says you know i don't need friends and she's like well you know you really want to become a hero don't don't you and she says it's to me it seems like you're bound by your father and suffering there are a lot of paths you have you have countless choices like don't just look at your father look at the rest of the world and he loses it toya says you know did did you read a self help book or something you know grandma and grandpa were so poor they sold you you had no choice that's why i was born you were complicit too and he just leaves you know gives her these angry endeavor eyes 
Yeah, it is. It's it's very poignant, and it hits Ray hard. really hard. Really hard. Uh, and now we get uh, Davi, I think, doing a voiceover where he's like, the the flame the flame would extinguish. I was younger and smaller than most kids in my grade, and I finally hit puberty. And as my body changed, my flames turned from orange to blue. And this excites him because he finally feels like he's got something to show his father uh, that would make him proud. Oh, yeah, he's and so it would excited. make him seem like a you know desirable because he had even mentioned to uh Natsu at some point that like he has all these kids that he doesn't need and he's counting himself uh amongst them. Yeah. And so he's like yeah dad's going to be so expri- uh so surprised and he wants uh, he rushes off to uh, invite Endeavor. He's like hey next time you have a day off come to Sakato Peak and I want to show you something and Endeavor pulls up his shirt uh and he sees that um Toy has been very very uh, wily and has been practicing uh, using his fire on parts of his body that aren't otherwise exposed. So he's got all these burns on his stomach, which I, I should have complained about this earlier, but they don't do a good job of like illustrating the severity of the burns. I agree. Like at all. Yeah. It's just like he a just couple looks, of ha- like red hash marks, really. A little dirty. Yeah. 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 Um, so th- th- now the ones on his stomach were slightly better animated than the ones that he had on his arms earlier. Um, and that, that should be the case number one, because he was using a hotter fire. Um, but just overall, I was just like, they're just like hash marks. It's, it was very lazy. It, it, it didn't, it didn't communicate the, the burns well, in my opinion. Yeah. And man, this scene is so heartbreaking too. Cause like, He's trying to convince his dad to come in and see him. He wants to show him something he's learned. And he says, I might even be at Shoto's level. That's so heartbreaking. Like, he's he just wants to be in the shoes his little brother's in. He wants to be recognized by his dad. And he says, I'll make you glad I was born. And, yeah. Ugh. Oh, my God. And, and, of course, he uses the All Might language. Yeah. You know, um, I might be awesome as Shoto. Maybe I'll even be better than All Might, which is language that has been, uh, you know, clouding over his entire life. Uh, in the in the manga, instead of saying "I'll make you glad I was born," he says, "You'll be glad you created me." Oh man! Uh, which I think is even it has a much more punchy delivery than "You'll be glad that yeah, I was born." Yeah, because it it just further proves that Toya realizes he's not even a human to his dad. He's just this failed you know experiment, and and it's right. like it takes all that humanity away from him because Endeavor doesn't really see him like that. And it's I think it's sad too because from Endeavor's perspective, I do think that there's some part of him that's just like look I've got this kid he can't use his quirk I've got to protect him like he, I can't let him eat himself up in his own flames but I don't have time for that so it's like he wants to protect Toya but he doesn't want to do it himself you know and that's ultimately yeah. the issue right and, he, he places all of the responsibility on Ray, yeah. who he assaults and he does so in front of Shoto and, and within ear and Natsuo yeah, yeah. They, they at least could hear it yeah um, and man, that was a that was a tough scene to watch as well. Oh my gosh, yeah, because he's he's like beating up on Ray and blaming her for not watching Toya, and Shoto's trying to fight him off. You know, Natsuo and Fuyumi are like hiding off somewhere in the corner in another room, and Ray, all she is remembering is Toya's eyes when he was looking at her and kind of chastising her about like being sold into this family and comparing those eyes to the same eyes that Endeavor is giving her right now, and she's thinking about all her choices that led her here, and she's like, you know. I didn't really have a choice, but I thought that I could at least hold on to my smile. 
And it's very clear that that that's not the case, you know, and, and it's so messed up too, because Inji's just like, look, I can't stop him. And I, you know, I'm not going to try. It's your job. I can't. It is you that needs to tell him to stop this, like putting everything on Ray to take care of Toya. Yeah. And, and it's, it's exactly what he was just telling himself in the hospital room when Shoto overheard. It's, I can't, I'm not going to do this. I can't do this. Yeah. Um, so that goes all the way back, you know, to, to child Toya. Um, that, that being something that in this case now he, it's a displacement of responsibility in, uh, in the current time, like when he's in the hospital and he's having that thought, um, it's, it's an incapacity of his own or perceived incapacity of his own. Uh, but it is really neat how they, how they line that up. And yeah, Ray, uh, says something like, um, my options were limited, but I chose and I moved forward and I thought that I would try to keep smiling. Um, so that's, that's part of why I think that she feels complicit in all of this as well, that she kind of put up a facade um, as a defense mechanism, yeah, uh, but allowed things to continue in the in the ways that they had been, which was poorly. Right, absolutely. <laughs> so. Well, and she starts comparing those those horrible, piercing blue eyes, you know, to her children, and we get that scene of her recognizing Shoto and seeing his eyes and thinking of Endeavor and Inji, and you know, her hurting him, and then she explains that she was basically put into that hospital to be isolated, and that's where she heard the news about Toya dying, and it absolutely broke her completely. And we sort of transition over to Toya, who's up on Sakoto Peak, waiting on his dad. You know, he wants to show him what he promised he was going to. And, and like, he wants to prove himself to his dad. And it's it doesn't happen. You know, he starts breaking out into tears. And, and Inji's talking about how, like, if he had gone, maybe, you know, maybe it would have helped. But he really thought that it only would have made matters worse. And he's like, I wouldn't have even known what to say to him. And, and Ray admits that she didn't know what to say either. Yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah. But I, to say nothing either. was not the correct response. Exactly. I think that that's what they're both learning right right in this moment. Right was now. neither of us said anything for fear of saying the wrong thing. And that ended up being the wrong course of action as well. So we, we see Toya up on Sakoto Peak. His, his tears start to catch on fire. And this poor kid is just like, oh my gosh, it's so hot. I can't cool it off. I can't cool it off. What am I going to do? And we see Dobby laying on that couch, and he's remembering how it felt. And he says, you reap what you sow. All you taught me was how to increase my fire powder. And we see that mountain on fire. Inji's in the crowd just mortified. I mean, he's looking up at that that mountain like, oh, my God, I know that's my kid. I know that's yeah. him. And, you know, he says, if only I'd been able to give everything up. But after I killed Toya, I couldn't go back. All I could do was concentrate on Shoto. Yeah, and uh, says as as your feelings escalated. This is Ray now talking to Inji. Um, as your feelings escalated, you grew repulsive to me. I even started to see vestiges of you and the children. And uh, Fuyumi, this is where she starts taking uh, some of her blame. She says, even though I knew we were breaking apart, I was too scared uh, to dig deep. So all I did was keep up appearances, which is exactly what basically she had seen her mom doing. Right. So she just followed suit there. Yeah. Um, and this is where Natsuo is like, well, you know, you started it all, but if I had knocked some sense into Toya, maybe he wouldn't have turned into Dobby. You know, what's interesting is in the manga, he says, maybe if I just slugged you talking to Inji in the face and made you have a few serious talks with him. Oh, I like that so much Dobby, better. I yeah, like that so maybe, much more. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that communicates Natsuo's anger right like in in his knowledge of the situation of him saying i should have just punched you when i thought you needed to be punched and told you what needed to be done yep or at least give his opinions on it um and, and at least communicate his feelings on it uh but yeah i, I thought that the manga's 
terminology was better here. Yeah, as I liked well. it a lot better because in my mind, it's like this burden is not these children's to bear. You know what I mean? It's it's their fathers. Like he's the one that caused this. They were just bystanders. They could. I mean, they were kids. What are they supposed to do? You know? Yeah. Ray says that the responsibility is not Indy's alone. Um, he said she says even if your spirit is broken to pieces, we will help you stand. And and then now this whole episode, Ray has not had a choice. Now she makes sure that Endeavor knows that he doesn't have a choice. Yeah. She says, you have no choice. You have to fight, to Dobby. fight Dobby. Yeah, you yeah. have to. And she says, our child that suffered because of us called me mom again, even though he didn't have to. He had every right to hate me. He went to UA, he made friends, and he saved our family. Shoto is our family's hero. And and this is where Shoto actually speaks up. And this is the first time we've heard him since the incident because his throat's burned. And he says that, you know, he really thought that Endeavor couldn't fight anymore and that he had no choice but to take on Toya on his own. But now he knows that's not the case. And he says, when you're done crying, get up and we'll all go stop Toya together. Such a great moment, man. Just a great family, like, bonding moment of like, look, we're all in this together. We're going to we're going to get through this. We're going to take care of it. And it's so good. Oh, it and is. it and it adds layers to something that was already more complex than most of the content in this anime and, and manga. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it revisits it. It it makes uh, the rest of the family, uh, Natsuo, Fuyumi, Ray, even it gives them a lot of depth. Um, in their own ways. I mean, it is just the best stuff in this uh, in this title is it is centered around the Todoroki family drama. All, full stop. Like, I don't know. I can't think of anything that even comes close to touching uh, the the intrigue and the drama and the depth uh, of of this content. This is the best that my hero has to offer, in my opinion. And it's done so well. It's done so well that like. It 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 feels like it shouldn't be this good. Yeah. Well, and what's <laughs> you know nuts what I mean? is like they've been seeding this since almost episode one because they started talking about how Shoto was like not even applying to the college. He was just granted admission because of who he is, you know, and or not college, but UA. Uh, and and so like from the get go, from the moment we've met Shoto, there's been so much intrigue there on what is this dude's story, and now it's all getting laid out. And I mean, gosh, it's just it's so so complex, and there's so much going on there, and it's really really good stuff. Uh, but this is all interrupted by Best Genist and Hawks. And Best Genist does another one of his like really cruddy lines where, you know, Hawks is talking about how, you know, they really shouldn't be eavesdropping, but they couldn't help it. And Best Genist is like, eavesdropping is illegal denim. And I think Shoto is That's like. That's the one. That's the one that, that was so bad yeah. that the characters acknowledged that yeah. it was bad. Because I think Shoto was like, dude, what's illegal denim? <laughs> Uh, but they explain that they're there because they want to know more about Toya. They want to understand how he survived that event and how he turned into Dobby. And Hawk said, you know, I used to watch a lot of old videos of you, Endeavor, and I never thought that your tenacity would snowball into this. I am absolutely shocked. And he says, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of talk, and this didn't get brought up, but is Shoto's burn from you too? And Ray actually admits that it was her. And, and this is interesting, because Hawks is kind of reminiscing about his family situation and not being able to confront his parents and how he just gave them up and totally abandoned mm -hmm. them. And he's like, wow, Shoto, you're really cool, man. Like knowing that he forgave his parents, that he's still there for them, that he confronted that evil like Hawks couldn't. It was a cool, yep. cool recognition there for a second. Yep. So good. So good. Like, ugh, I, I, it's, I'm gushing a little bit. I mean, this, this content, th these two episodes have zero fighting in them, none. And it's still 
top shelf my hero oh, stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Hawks goes on to tell Endeavor that it is absolute hell outside right now. He's like, dude, Dobby's out there, Shigaraki's out there, Spinner's out there. There's like 130 Liberation Front members out. Seven high-end Nomus, Tartarus, and six other prisons are broken into, and there are people all over the world out in the wild. And we've lost the ability to bring the heroes together. More and more are resigning every single day. None of the civilians trust us, and they're now trying to protect themselves, causing way more injury than, than we previously thought possible. The government's trying to get more heroes in, but the paperwork can't be completed because the safety commission's out of order. He's like, dude, all of this, and in two days. Yeah. I mean, he's like, this is not okay. Things are really bad. And he says, Inji, you have no choice but to fight. He's like, it's not just the number one hero or his family. It's all of us. All of us have to come together. And we kind of actually see his wings start to move uh, from his back. So we get this kind of uh, inclination that he may be healing his quirk back up. And he says there needs to be a team up of the top three heroes with your family. And I think it's it may be Natsuo here that's like, hey, look, with them and us, this this burden is going to be lighter. You should be able to stand up a little bit easier. And it's really funny, too. Natsuo is like, it's only until we find Toya. Like, after yeah. that, F you guys. <laughs> the way he threw that line out so just, like, uh, haphazardly, I guess. I thought that was so funny. I, I like this other layer to what's going on here is we've seen especially in this episode and well, really over the course of the entire anime that Endeavor is, uh, he works basically on his own. He, he, he flies solo, he fights solo. He does have, uh, you know, some sidekicks and, and other folks working in his agency, but he's gone from being this silo unto himself in this pursuit of being the new, uh, all might or better than all might to slowly picking up a support system um, throughout the anime. And so we see little glimpses of it, but now it's really, even when he was fighting um, Shigaraki, there was, there was this moment where, uh, you know, Midoriya was there and, and Shoto was there and, and Endeavor was kind of like, I can't do this on my own. Yeah. Um, and so he's, his support system has increased significantly over the last two seasons really and something i love about this too is that that has rippling effects that we haven't seen and probably won't see come to fruition for a while but think about bakugo who like looks up to endeavor is also somebody that wants to do it on his own he wants to be the solo hero he wants to be number one nobody else can do it like me and he's witnessed that that does not work like he's right. going to see how Endeavor has fallen and how all of those needs to be on his own, to do it himself, to, to not get that help, have bitten him in the butt. This is going to make Bakugo a better person. You know, this is going to make all of the kids of 1A and 1B and anyone that ever looked up to Endeavor be better because they know that they can learn from his mistakes. They don't have to continue to reproduce the same issues, you know. And so I, I hope that this is like Endeavor's moment to go, OK, cool, I've really messed up. Let me fix things and move forward and be the bigger, better person and be the better example for all of these people that are looking up to me because I'm not just some guy doing it on his own. I've got people that want to help me and look up to me for that level of help like he knows he's got to be better now and i think it's going to really push him forward and like as much as i didn't want a redemption arc for endeavor my god did we get it <laughs> like it's so good yeah uh, and i don't i can't remember early on if if i ever thought this guy needs to stay an object of hate um but i do remember realizing that they were certainly moving in a redemption uh, uh direction with him 
and it's it's excellently done. Like I I I would have a hard time finding a bunch of flaws in it. Yeah, uh, I think that it's extremely well engineered. It's extremely well paced. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's been really good. But even in the midst of uh, Endeavor realizing that he's uh, he's got other heroes behind him that are going to help him through this but and they and they make it very clear like you're the figurehead you know we're with you but you're you're the 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 figurehead of all heroes in Japan right now so you that's why i think that's part of why hawks was like yeah you don't have a choice man like you have to stay in this game you have to be at the front of this um and uh so he's got the heroes and he's got his family and but there's still something else that hawks needs to address. So he says, uh, let's get down to business. We must first explain to the public after the accusations. We, we can't avoid that. Something, somebody has to say something uh, in response to what Dobby had outlined. Uh, then he says, I've given thought to how we can respond, but there's still one thing I'm unclear about. And he says, what's one for all? Yeah. Because we got to figure out the truth behind this. Yeah. And Ever Endeavor's like sitting there kind of putting two and two together and he he kind of realizes that it has something to do with Deku. That there's, you know, Shigaraki was after him for a reason. Midoriya had told him like, "Hey, I think Shigaraki's after me." And so we transition over to the hallway where Bakugo is is being restrained by Sue and Sato and Ida and Achako are standing outside of Deku's room and he and Ochako's kind of explaining, like, hey, look, they're saying that Midoriya's body is fine. It's his mind right now that's healing. And as Bakugo's being, like, towed away past Best Genus, Best Genus is actually like, hey, what's up, Murder Death Machine 1000, or whatever his name is. <laughs> and I thought that was so I like great. your version of it. <laughs> yeah, I could like I couldn't remember it right off the top of my head, but, but the fact that he's calling Bakugo that, I think, just shows the immense amount of respect that Best Genus has for him, and I think that's so cool. Uh, but they. I wondered too, though, if, like, if he did it, kind of poking fun at Bakugo. You think so? I didn't get that. I, I, there's a part of me that that wondered if that was the case. Like, he's just like, this is really what you want to be called, because right now he they wouldn't be using hero names anyway. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it's know? kind of like, look how impractical this is, kid. Yeah, 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 that's that's. <laughs> I wondered if that's what Best Genus was doing in that moment. Was like, really, guy, come on, maybe. Yeah, that could be. Uh, but they, I think it's Bakugo that's explaining to Hawks uh, that All Might has basically asked everybody leave Midoriya alone. And, you know, that kind of starts to click for a few things for Hawks. He's like, okay, hold on. All Might's involved in this equation too? Like, what in the world is one for all? And we, we transition into that scene inside the hospital room with Midoriya. He's totally unconscious. All Might's hovering over him. And All Might says, I can feel the young me in you, in one for all. He, and he says, you're talking to them, aren't you? Like, you're convening with the vestiges. Something is happening inside that brain of yours, and All Might knows. He can feel it. You know, uh, you know, my notes say, I can feel it, the me inside of you, and I just have fits. Not that kind <laughs> Not of anime. Not that kind of anime. God, we need, we yeah, need to so get a sticker or, like, a shirt for you or something. We really should. I bet the folks in the Discord uh, would, would be into something like oh, that. Oh, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe we'll get some, some vestige action in the next episode. That'll be cool. I think so. I feel like I didn't, I rewatched the episode this morning before we recorded. Uh, and I, it's been a week since then. When I first watched the episode, I watched the like next on or whatever. And I think I remember it being Midoriya, like sitting around talking to the vestiges. So I'm excited, man. This, in fact, we're recording on a Saturday, which we don't normally do. And the episode is available. And I had a really hard time not watching it before we yeah. sat down to record. <laughs> 
but I'm excited about it. I think we're finally going to get to know some of the you know answers to the questions we've been asking about one for all and how this is going to work and how the vestiges play a part in this whole story. Yeah, we've I think we've both been uh, very vocal about how much we enjoy the vestige realm stuff. Uh, and with a lot of the previous questions that we've had uh, answered with especially with these two episodes, um, then that leaves a lot of the vestige stuff is still open and in the air. And so all might have set up this conversation. Uh, so hopefully we'll get uh, some answers to some of our more curious questions about um, how that space works. And, you know, Deku's interaction with them, his access to whatever quirks are still untapped. Um, so this could be pretty, pretty interesting material coming up here. Soon. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. But I think that will bring us to a close for these two episodes. Now, my understanding is the Discord had a blast with some Quirkles this past week. It sounded like we had they, a few. Yeah, they did. Um, so we had four different submissions uh, from or for Quirkles uh, in the in the Discord. Remember, listeners, uh, there on our episode there's a link to I think it's a Screen Rant article that uh, collects all of the Wordle answers. And we uh, designed a little creative activity, creative writing activity for uh, listeners of the show to go to the previous full month's word list. So you're looking at 28 to 31 words uh, and you can choose one, two, however many you think is, is, is fine and pitch a quirk. So you, you pick a couple of words, you say, that's the name of the quirk. Here's how it works. And you send it in and we'll read them on air. So our first one comes from raw 32 and his submission is Matey, M-A-T-E-Y, which just off the cuff, what do you think it's about? Well, I read this one on the Discord, so I don't feel like this is very oh, did fair. You? <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it's, I mean, it, it made me think of pirates, so yeah. I was wondering if, if that's the direction that he was going to take it in. No, but he, he did not. It. So no, he no, says, no. the user of this quirk can instantly form a friendship they have a conversation with, the drawback being that they can't turn it on or off so they never know if someone is genuinely their friend or if it's just the quirk. I would hate that quirk. I I took another word from the list and made this quirk even worse. Oh, no. Why would you do that? Stop. <laughs> Because uh, one of the other words is flirt. So imagine the flirt version of this. So not just like, are they or aren't they my friends, but you cannot turn off flirting with everyone. Oh, that would be horrible. That could just be even worse. Jeez. Yeah, I know. Everybody right? would it, hate it, you. Because it's like, so is it combined where like you can't turn off the flirting and everyone also loves you, basically? No, no, flirt would just be its own quirk. Okay, so you just but can't it works stop flirting. similarly to mating. Okay. Yeah. You flirt with everybody. So you're you're forming you're implying attractive bonds with everybody. And that not only is going to be very confusing to a lot of people, it's gonna bring you a lot of a, a lot of attention and a lot of conflict. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so there there's a clarification too on on well, I guess your quirk now and Raw 32's quirk. Does the feelings like fade away if you're separated from the person with the quirk or do you constantly feel that way no matter what because i think like i think that could be an interesting thing because at some point in time people would just start avoiding you you know what i mean sure the way that matey is worded it's uh they can instantly form a friendship so i think that that implies some some longevity yeah. um flirt doesn't you don't form anything. It's just that you're constantly a flirt. <laughs> uh, and what forms or doesn't is 
you know, irrelevant. Is, it's like, you, yeah, you on, have to it's on whoever is the recipient of your flirt. Oh, man, you know, there's, yeah, geez, I don't know that first quirk that, uh, that one is, is scary to me. Cause like, how would you even know <laughs> that you have a quirk? Like you may just act like your whole life. Just think everybody is your best friend. Matey, you mean? Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. like it would be, I think it would be for some people potentially difficult to eventually put two and two together that like, Oh wow. I have a lot of friends. I don't have anyone that's not my friend. I should think that at some point, like evidence begins to pile up and 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 it's just like, man, how is it that you're constantly making friends with everybody? Or maybe you know? or maybe it's even like it it continues to increase to a level where that friendship becomes like adornment to like worshiping. So like over time, you 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 know your friend goes from just being the guy you hang out with or the chick you hang out with to being like like groveling at your feet and it's like no I don't want that like that's too much you know what I mean I just we're just friends or whatever that's the quirk evolution yeah like yeah. if he gets or if if the individual user were to practice that quirk and make it stronger what does that evolution look like I don't like ooh matey sounds scary to me that's that's <laughs> disastrous now flirt is just horrible because like if there's no uh, side effect, like if there's not emotions involved, everyone's just going to be pissed off at you all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could work in some cases, obviously, like, it, uh, I mean, it's kind of flirting is like that in general. You can flirt all you want, and sometimes there will be reciprocity, and sometimes there right. won't. There will be animosity. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whew, those are some good uh, ones. Black Rain submitted one called Human Opera. He says, this is a musical mind control quirk. This quirk lets the user place other people under their control once they have heard their voice. The exception is it only takes effects, uh, effect when that person is singing. So once a person hears the singing voice, they will go into a, a willing trance, obeying any commands given to them by the human opera quirk holder. But that command must be song, uh, must be sung, rather. If spoken, it will have no effect. Oh. The mind-controlled person, uh, let's see, where, where, the mind-controlled person will only act uh, on song given commands because of the singing music nature of this quirk the mind control people will while under the influence of this quirk respond by singing instead of talking so they turn into singers themselves that's great uh even people that have been free from the mind control effect will continue to speak in a singing response for a time the number of people that can be affected or placed under the mind control effect is limitless it just depends on who or the number of people hearing the quirk holder's singing voice. Uh, their voice can be amplified with microphones and speakers, but it cannot be recorded to be played back later. Uh, and it says the quirk to take effect, it must be heard live. So that's pretty, that's a good, that's a good limit on, on that particular quirk. Yeah. Yeah. It's very a uh, siren -y. Um, gosh, that, that's a good quirk too. And I like the fact that they have to be singing. That puts a nice little touch on it. Yeah, that's fun. But they did they they turn into singers. Can themselves. you imagine like beat uh, oh god uh, pop with that? That would have been a crazy twist to her quirk. I just um I just realized that the the owner of that particular quirk is capable of manufacturing my worst nightmare. The centipede, which is to live in a musical. Oh, to live in a musical. Okay, yeah, <laughs> man. Wait, what did you say? Centipedes. You hate centipedes, centipedes too. I was like, <laughs> how does that correlate? <laughs> no, if if this person with human opera is around me and and it's capable of of making everyone sing, including myself, then that is the generation of my greatest night. Yeah. Uh, M. Trizzy submitted one, and and he uh, <laughs> he just admits this is kind of op. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's okay. It's OP called works exist. If they do, it's it's called adapt, uh, and it's the ability to change your physical appearance to whatever your needs dictate. So, for example, if you're on a plane 
and something causes the plane to start falling from the sky, your quirk would give you the ability to fly yourself to safety or teleport you and your loved ones to safety. So it's a basically like adapt to uh, preserve your oh, it's life like, uh, based on any given situation. Like, it's Darwin. like Darwin. Yeah, yeah, like Darwin. Yep. He's another uh, kind of like major plot point in the X-Men comics right now. So he's a, he's been fresh on my mind. Oh, cool. Yeah, his power. Man, he got done dirty in that one X-Men Dude, movie. by ever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't even Ugh. know that I felt like it made sense, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. It didn't. It didn't. That's why people were so, so upset salty about, about it. it. Yeah. No, I like that yeah. quirk in general. That's a good one. Um, Tom Mack submitted one called Layer, um, which made me think of another X-Men. Do you know who? Layer? Yeah. Not off the top of my head. Not without hearing more about the quirk. Okay. Uh, so it's the quirk allows the user to manipulate and absorb inorganic materials to create a layer around their skin and control it to an extent. Oh. The user's skin is covered by small, pale, sinew-like growths all along their skin, which serve to control uh, and attach the materials. And as an example, the user can gather stones to form an armor to protect themselves, even use it offensively by launching parts of the armor at their enemies. The more simple the material is, the easier it is to manipulate. Controlling stones is easier than sand because of the consistency. So think controlling 20 stones as opposed to 2,000 grains of sand. Sure. Naturally, the quirk always requires pre-existing materials to use as it cannot create anything by itself. So it's not Cable that I'm thinking of, but it's uh, one of the other guys from Days of Future Past. Uh, he has the ability to like absorb kinetic energy and blast it back out. Uh, that's... Uh, that's Bishop. Bishop. Thank you. Yeah, I, that sounds similar to this kind of where like so basically the user is is able to kind of like take on or absorb certain energy and then use that to control other objects. Is that how I'm understanding that? That's how his layer worked, but that's not the X Men power that I was thinking. Oh, okay, of. who are you thinking of? Husk. Do you know who Husk oh, is? Oh man, I don't. I feel like I've heard that name, but I cannot picture Husk in my mind right now. She can basically, like, change what her skin is made out of by just tearing off a layer of skin. Oh, okay, uh, okay. I, yeah. So she's like, yeah. she sheds, basically, and is able to change the material that her body is made out of. I think that's how that works. Yeah. That's what it, that's what I thought of when he started uh, when he started talking about layer, but obviously he took it in a very different and very cool like and that. also kind of gross direction <laughs> with the, uh, with the, the, what did he call him? Not, uh, not cilia, but. Um, you. Yeah, sinews. Yeah. Like you just have these little slimy sinews all along your skin. That would be kind of that gross be. to be near. Yeah. Um, I came up with uh, obviously flirt. Um, I had one called maze count, M A I Z E count, which just make you. It makes you like the Rain Man of corn. Like somebody uh, drops a like an ear of corn on the ground, and you automatically know how many like corn kernels was on that. You're just like you know, like that scene in Rain Man where somebody spills a bunch of like toothpicks. Yeah. He's just able to know what that number is. <laughs> You're like that, except with corn. That's your whole quirk. That's it. Um, yeah, with corn. Not all quirks are great. This is a this is a motto that uh, I carry into uh, quirkles. Sometimes you just gonna have a dud. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess like you could do something with that though. Surely there are corn counters out there. <laughs> sure. <laughs> or or you would figure out a way to monetize it one way or another. Help out a lot of farmers, um, maybe. Yeah. For my. Uh, for my actual, like, more serious submission, I went with Sleek. Now, I haven't developed this a ton, but the concept that I had is that you basically have, um, like, a, a zero friction coefficient to your body. And so that gives you a, a high degree of maneuverability. But it would also possibly uh, allow you to kind of, like, shed hits because as somebody 
tries to like hit you with blunt force, it just kind of slides. Um, so you, it, that, that force isn't taken, uh, like traumatically, if that makes some sure. sense. Um, but yeah, you're just a slippery dude. Um, and that again has applications for, uh, for mobility, for escapability. Uh, and then possibly there would be some way to, uh, use it as a defense, almost like you've got like a, um, like as a punch comes in with its force, you could just let it slide off. Your, you. Yeah. 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 Like your zero friction so, coefficient kind of offsets it and, and directs it elsewhere. If that makes sense. How does the wielder of this quirk stop? Like if they were to run and jump on their belly, they would just slide forever until they hit yeah. something or died. Yeah, super fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that they would obviously benefit from some sort of, um, they'd have to have support support. Here. Items. Yeah, they'd have to. Yeah. If they even decided to use their quirk, that's one of those ones where it's like, well, I don't know. The risk is not really <laughs> worth the reward. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Those are awesome quirks. They, uh, I love quirkles. It's it's fun uh, getting folks in in the uh, in the community to uh, to participate in that and talk about them yeah. uh, in the Discord. Absolutely. Which is really Absolutely. Neat. Well, I think that'll wrap us up for this week's episode, Atkins. What do you think? I believe so. I'm I'm out of content. Yes, me too. But we still have more My Hero coming down. So if you'll join us in two weeks, we'll have another episode covering 131 and 132. And I think we'll be yep. coming near the end of this core pretty soon, won't we? I suspect that there that we'll probably get maybe three more episodes of the AMP out of yeah. this season. Oh, actually, um, uh, isn't uh, Horikoshi taking a break? Or is that from the manga? I, I wasn't sure. That's the manga Okay, only. so the manga is taking a break, but the show's not. Correct. Gotcha. So I guess then we'll see everybody in two weeks. Yep. In that time between now and then, give us a follow on Twitter at Almighty Pod. You can visit the pinned tweet to find a link to the Discord where there's always nerdy conversations about all kinds of anime um, going on in the Almighty channel on the Back Patios uh, Discord. Uh, and obviously, if if you're feeling uh, kind and, and would oblige uh ratings on Spotify and iTunes go a long way in helping us become more visible. And we're constantly getting more visible. We set another record for downloads uh, for our podcast last month. Um, it's the numbers are starting to get super weird. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I think you were saying last January in the month of January, 2022, we had what a thousand downloads. Yeah. Like 1100. Yeah. Something. And in yeah. this year's January, just January alone, we had like over 6,000. That's insane return so thanks everybody that's putting our names out there we we love having such an awesome community yeah and it is y'all like we don't, we don't promote we don't have ads yeah we don't promote like yeah this is uh <laughs> we don't have a patreon you know adkins and i pay for this out of our pocket like we're not looking to to have a second job we're just doing it for fun and it's awesome that everyone else out there is having fun with us yeah and the uh, the re-record of episode one has gotten a lot of a, a lot of attention as well i'm hoping that more and more people are finding that episode as literally their first yeah. almighty experience because it explains some things. <laughs> yeah, it does. Absolutely. And hopefully they'll understand too, that like the rest of the podcast was not like ever original episode one. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well guys, we will see you in two weeks. See time. you in two weeks. Yeah.